Take a copy of God's Word this morning, and if you will, turn it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. In a Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon strip, Lucy demanded that her brother Linus would change the TV channels. She threatened him that if he did not, he said, what makes you think that you can walk in here and that you can take over, take charge of my TV? Her response was to hold up her hand and say, these five fingers. She said, individually they are nothing, but when I curl them like this, they come into a single unit and they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And with a mighty gulp, Linus said, which channel would you like for me to turn to? But as he turned away, he looked at his own hands and he said to them, he says, now why can't you guys get organized like that? The Corinthian church was a church in division. If you've been with us over the last year, we have been walking through this book and from chapter one, it became very obvious that this was a church that had factions. And so now we are in chapter 12 and we're still seeing the problems of the factions, At the root was a belief that there were people who were more spiritual than the other people. That there were people within the church who thought that they were better in the eyes of God. That they were better Christians than others. Now the standard for this spirituality has varied in many different areas. And we've seen this from chapter 1 to chapter 12. There were, it was based upon what pastor you followed. It may have been a pastor that you had had previous years ago, the one you've got now, or one on YouTube, I don't know. But you, you, is whatever pastor you followed, how smart or wise were you? Did you eat the meat or did you not eat the meat? Some of y'all are remembering these topics, right? Are you married or are you singled? Are you single? And so forth. And then in chapter 12, another element now rises here that, that we see. It is the misunderstanding of spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts that God gives us that enables us to do the work of the church. And certain gifts were deemed spiritually superior than others. Mainly because they were gifts that were public and in in the public and you could see them and not the ones that of service. And so those were deemed more spiritually superior. Well certainly this fueled the division within the church. And so to correct this, the Apostle Paul will now begin to teach on spiritual gifts. And so we see this in chapters 12, um, 12, uh, 13, and 14. And so the big idea that we get, though, in chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, which will be our text this morning, chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, the big idea this morning is, is that spiritual gifts bring unity that results in the manifestation of the Spirit and the edification of the church. So I'll say that again. Spiritual gifts bring unity that results in the manifestation of the Spirit and the edification of the church. Now, this is two weeks worth here. So, so we'll look at two, two sermons here. The nature of spiritual gifts today, and then we'll follow up next week with the purpose of spiritual gifts. But today, I want to, follow, I want to focus in on the nature of spiritual gifts. I want you to look at or see this morning the basic features and characteristics of spiritual gifts. And so we're going to see three things from the text this morning that I want to point out to you. That spiritual gifts are supernatural, they are a gracious gift, and there there are many, or there is a variety. Okay, so they are supernatural, they are a gracious gift, and there are many. So let us begin this morning, beginning in verse 4. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse 4, we read this. 
Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Let's begin. Spiritual gifts are, if you'll notice, they are supernatural Like several previous issues, these spiritual gifts had now become a source of contention. It's amazing, isn't it, how humanity can take something that is good and we can turn it and make it negative. Amen? God gives us something and we can corrupt it. We can, you know, this is where we have to understand that our works are not better than the grace of God. Because that which we do tends to, without God's grace, tends to corrupt things. And so we see that here. And so like with so many other things in the, in, the, in the Corinthian church, spiritual gifts were misused because they were misunderstood. And so this may have been why a letter was written to the, to the apostle Paul from the church. Remember, the second half of this book is really Paul answering questions. The first half, he was dealing with issues that, that had been rumored. The second half, he's answering questions. And so they wrote a, a letter to him, and they were probably asking this one question. Paul, what are spiritual gifts? Because we apparently don't have a good understanding. Thankfully, he gives us a response, because this is a question that I believe many today are asking. That many Christians today kind of scratch their head, and they go, is that a spiritual gift? Is that a spiritual gift? What is my spiritual gift? And so I want you to to see the focus of our text this morning will really be in that verse 4. Notice what he says. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Ironically, I'm going to work this backwards. I want you to notice first, spirit. Notice what he says, the same spirit. This is referencing the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He is the source of all spiritual gifts. Now, here is a side note that is very important. You need, to, you need to know that we must not confuse ourselves and believe that the Holy Spirit alone is the source of all spiritual gifts. There's this idea that, that the Father and the Son are, are really not involved in this, but this is just the work of the Spirit. Paul wants to let us, he lets us know that both the Trinity, that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all involved in this because he says there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit by the same spirit there are a variety of ministries and the same lord and then there are a variety of effects but by the same god so so you have the holy spirit you have lord jesus and then you've got god the father and so what we see here is that paul has a trinitarian view when it comes to the, the, the spiritual gifts. Just like within the Trinity, there are three uh, you know, and one. They are the same. They are God, but they have different roles. There's, something, there's some things that distinguish between them. We see that there is a, a variety of gifts, but we are one body. There's a variety of gifts, but they do come from one source, and that is God. So the main point that Paul is wanting us to see here is that we can trace the the origin of spiritual gifts back to God himself. And so this means that gifts are supernatural. They're supernatural in nature. 
They are not, they are not from this world. They are received from God. They do not find their origin in the physical world. They do not find their origins in your genetics. For without the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you would not have a spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4.10 affirms this, that each one has received a special gift. In other words, these gifts do not develop naturally in ourselves, but they are given to you. Thus, they are a gift. But mainly, let's focus on the spiritual part. Meaning their source is not found in you. It comes from God. So, so this is really interesting because what this teaches us is, is that spiritual gifts are not man's natural abilities. They're not talents. They're not your skills. Matter of fact, they're not even the fruit of a man or woman's experiences or a man or woman's education. And so as we'll see later, and as you'll, and you'll even see this now, but even throughout the sermon, what you see is, is that if you are not saved, you do not have a spiritual gift. You may have a talent, but you do not have a spiritual gift because it is supernatural. God gives us gifts when we are, because we are dead in our sins and when we are brought to life, when, when the Spirit comes into me, part of that is, is that He then gives me a particular gift. And we'll get to that in a moment. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. So these gifts are given to us as a supernatural provision for a work that God has created, not only for the church, but also created for you. So when we talk about the nature of spiritual gifts, we must recognize they are completely supernatural, which leaves no room, beloved, for individual pride, individual spiritual superiority, because they didn't come from you. Because, because you cannot produce them. And so, there's no, so nowhere in the church can one look at and go, well, look at my gift their, they don't have a gift, or, or their gift is not good as my gift, and you begin to boast in yourself and think of, look what I can do, or look what I am doing. You cannot produce this. We, we understand from John chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so when we talk about talents, and we talk about hard work, and we talk about education, we talk about experiences, these are flesh. These are, these are physical things. You can have a talent that someone else doesn't have. You can have a skill that someone doesn't have. You can work harder than other people. You can have an experience that other people do not have. And you may be able to develop something that gives you a little edge in, a, in an American's, you know, America's Got Talent competition. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, beloved, you are not to be able to applaud in yourself. Because without the God of this universe, you would not have it. And so ultimately, all this is from God, and he gets the ultimate credit. He gets the ultimate applause here. Only Christians have them. This is the difference between a, a talent. So take singing, for example. You can, uh, a Christian can sing, right, amen? Praise God that we, we can sing, and we can sing well. You know, not all of us. Some of us did not have the spiritual talent of singing or physical, the physical talent of singing like myself. Some of you are far more talented in that area. But, you know, we can say, man, that person, we we won't say it's a spiritual gift, but it's not because we know lost people who sing. We know atheists who sing. We know Buddhists who sing. And they are dead in their sins and trespasses. 
And so we understand this is a supernatural working of the Lord. And so therefore, beloved, we and I, we cannot boast in ourselves. But also, may I say this? Flip that coin to the other side this morning. There are those who are sitting here at the sound of my voice this morning, and you truly believe that, there is no, that you have no gift that is, really, that, that is really to be used within the church, to be used in the ministry of, uh, of the church or in the work of God and serving others. That you actually believe that you are unequipped and incapable of ministry because you don't have a certain talent. And again, you begin to think that, that I'm not able to do things in the church because I don't have a skill, a talent. I haven't had this experience. You're looking at the wrong thing, beloved. Instead, you need to be looking at the spiritual gift that God has given you. And we know that if you are in Christ, He has given you one. You may not be physically capable with talents and stuff, but God has given you something that you can serve Him and use within the, in the church. So I say this morning, beloved, if you are a Christian, know this, rejoice in this, that God, and as we'll see in just a moment, His grace, that He has created a work for you, and He has gifted you, and He has given you something by which you could do the work right here in the church. And so if you are one of those people this morning who, begin, who say, I don't think I'm really capable of serving, hear me this morning, begin to seek, we'll look at this later, begin to seek earnestly the gift that God has given you. Begin to seek earnestly what that gift is. And, and, and normally it's those things that I think Brother Trey gave this when he preached on spiritual gifts several months ago that I think it came from Steve Lawson that if you were to walk into a room and there was one person in that room and you were going to minister to that one person, how would you want to do that? How are you compelled to do that? What is it that compels you to serve someone else? But I would ask you to seek this in prayer and the study of the word and also through the affirmation and the examination of the local church. There are some of you in here this morning that you think that you're incapable of ministering. You think that God has not given you anything. And yet there are those of the church who have watched you and, and we've seen you and we see the gifting that God has given you. Seek out your gift. It is spiritual in nature. Do not confuse it with a talent. But secondly, notice this, that not only is it a spiritual gift, this is also a gracious gift. Take notice of the word gifts here. As I told you, this was different wording from back in verse 1. Here what we have is the Greek word for charisma. This is how we normally associate spiritual gifts with the charismatic. You know, it's this issue of of energy, it's this issue of of this overwhelming joy. But, But here's the root word of this. It is the word charis for charity, meaning um, favor or grace. And so what we know of this is, is that at the very root of spiritual gifts, at the very root of a gift is this word grace, which may be the most important word in all of the scriptures. It refers to God's unmerited favor upon his people. It signifies an undeserved action of love and compassion that originates from within his own heart and his own will. In other words, God looked upon you and there was nothing there about you that compelled him to give you a gift. But the love and the will of God compelled himself to give to you. And we see the grace of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation we read about it in the word of his unmerited favor that is given to individuals, such as Luke, in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, where we find Mary, where the, the favor of God fell upon Mary, the mother of Christ. 
We read in Acts chapter 7, verse 46, that David is said to have had, that he enjoyed the favor, the, the, the unmerited grace of God on himself. But most importantly, we understand the grace of God when we look at the salvation of men, when we begin to look at the salvation, our own salvation, that my salvation is not a work in and of myself. It was not a talent show that I won where I got the gold buzzard because I was so good. It it, it was not a, a level of success that I had to work really hard at and to achieve. No, my salvation is unmerited. It is unearned. In other words, you cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You cannot achieve it. You cannot win it. You cannot obtain it. And at the very heart of this, you do not deserve it. And so if we want to think in spiritual gifts, beloved, we first need to think in terms of grace and even in salvation that we can receive the salvation of Christ. It is a free gift that is given to us and it comes from God alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. So pause this morning with me as you hear that good news. By God alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. When we look at this word, beloved, we understand that our salvation could not be achieved in and of ourselves because we are sinful. You are sinful. You are born into sin. You have chosen sin. You have rebelled against the Holy God. You deserve nothing. But the grace of God falls upon us. The gospel is given to us. And we are told of a father who sent his son as the greatest gift of all to die on behalf of my sins and your sins to rise from the grave three days later, bringing salvation, bringing redemption and reconciliation with God. This is all God's grace. There's nothing that you did that could have earned for him to send his son. There's nothing you did to earn his favor. And yet I fear so many people in here this morning place their hope of salvation. They place their hope of getting into heaven that they will somehow stand before God and they will go, God, look at all my achievements. Oh, beloved, our salvation is not found in achievements, but in the riches of God's mercy and grace that he sent Jesus to pay the price for your sins, the greatest gift of all. I would call on you this morning, beloved, that you would repent and that you would believe in Christ today by faith alone that you would receive, that you would experience the grace of God in salvation. I would call anyone here this morning who's an unbeliever to do that. And so when we think in terms of the gospel, when we think in terms of salvation, we understand the, the beauty of God's grace. And so that, that word grace grips my heart as a Christian because I understand the, the full extent of my salvation, what it means to receive unmerited favor from God. But here's the beauty. He's not done with us just yet. Here's the beauty of, of the Christian life, that, that not only does the grace of God bring salvation to me in Christ alone, but the Spirit of God then comes in and lives within me and not only brings me life, but God the Father says, I have a work for you to do and I'm going to give you a special gift or gifts for you to complete and do the work. You are undeserving of this work. You're undeserving of the gift, the enablement to do the work. But by my grace, I'm going to give you this wonderful and beautiful task. 
And so there, similar to our salvation, spiritual gifts are a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. In other words, these gifts are gifts of grace. They are a gracious gift. Beloved, they do not originate within you. Take notice of one, for example. And I think you'll understand in this. Look at verse 9. He says, to another faith by the same Spirit. So verses 8, 9, and 10, we get a list of gifts here. And so he labels several, some that are the gifts of speech and word, others the gifts of service. But notice verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now this is not saving faith. It's not saving faith. The, the, the gift that he's talking about here is a bold faith that is courageous and is able to stand and trust in God when all seems to have been lost. When all comes against you, you are able to stand firm in the midst of persecution. You are able to stand firm in the midst of doubt. You are able to stand firm in the midst of turmoil and troubles and be unmoved. Have we seen this, have we not, in the Scriptures? Moses before Pharaoh, David before Goliath, Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar. But think of Peter, who on the night of Jesus' trial denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. Only to be forgiven of his sins, only for the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost to fall down and fill Peter with the Spirit. And only just a little time later that he stands before thousands, tens of thousands, knowing that this could very well cost him his life and he preaches the greatest sermon of all time with probably the greatest invitation response of all time. Only to live a life of boldness that he stands before the very people, uh, the very people who crucified Christ, who, who were a part of his trial, the Sanhedrin. And he says, you may do with me whatever you will, but as for me, I will serve the Lord. Who only at the end of his life says, flip me upside down. I am unworthy to be crucified like my Savior. Denied him three times. Spirit fills him. God gives him a faith that is able to withstand the most difficult of circumstances. Did Peter deserve this? Of all people, we would say, why would you give it to him? He didn't deserve that gift. He didn't deserve to have that boldness to stand. Well, beloved, this is the grace of God in the work that God has prepared us for Look at verse 11. He says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he's will. They are spiritual gifts, and they are not based upon us. They're not based upon our past failures or our present failures or even based upon our future failures. They're not based on our past achievements or present achievements. They are based on the very will of God. God gives these gifts to whoever he wants to, however he wants to. This is the grace of God. Christian, do you not see the beauty in this? God gives you this gift as He wills and as He sees fit and He does it out of a heart of love and compassion and kindness. The spiritual gift that you have received is not a hand-me-down. The spiritual gift you have received is not that coffee pot that someone gave you and you re-gifted. A spiritual gift is not 
we got a birthday party to go to. I got we got to run and get a present really quick. I got to find something really quick. No. The gift that God has given you, Christian, is intentional and well thought out and unique in and of its very nature. And it is given with the greatest of compassion and kindness the world has ever known. And so therefore, you this morning, when you see your gift and you, have, and, and you recognize what God has gifted you in, you recognize, I am unworthy of this gift. I am unworthy of the task that you have called me to. But I am able to rejoice in the gift. I, I'm, able, I'm able to stop looking at, at other people and go, I don't have their gift. I, I, I can stop looking at Melanie and go, I, I don't have the gift that she has, or Trey, and go, I don't have the gift that he has. But instead, I can look at my own gift and see how intentional and how loving and how unique it is, and I can rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in what God has given me. And in the wisdom of God, this specific gift, I can also then use this gift for the specific purpose by which God has called me, which, by the way, happens within the church well you have received not only the grace of your salvation but you have received the grace of empowerment spiritual gifts are the empowerment the enablement to serve god you are now able to bless others and to serve others you are now able to share the very treasures that god has given to you but i would be very careful to leave past this and go to the next point without saying this dear christian you must also be warned today that you must be humble with your gift do not serve with pride do not serve thinking that that you've earned this and do not serve with the intention to receive the uh, the applause do not seek your own praise this is what's so amazing to me is when people get mad because they're not praised enough. I did this, Brother Brian, and no one recognized and noticed. Praise God, no one recognized and noticed. That's the way this works. We do this without taking the spotlight and shining it on us. Now, certainly we enjoy and we love and we do encourage and we do praise people but I think so many times, so many of us are so, so self-centered and so self-focused and, and we want to be the, the next America's Got Talent. And at the end of the day, it's because we take pride in who we are and in ourself and we have forgotten that this is the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, like a child who has been given a gift, let us be humble Let us take the gift and let us play and serve and enjoy with a smile on our face that God may be glorified in the service that we have been given. But I would even say this, notice thirdly, the many gifts that are given. So so look at verse 4 as we walk through these verses here. He says, now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Now, 
Notice that he says three times there is a variety, meaning is a range or a diversity. Simply put, God has a wide range, a wide diversity of gifts. It means many, multitude. There are just a whole bunch of spiritual gifts that he himself distributes to every person who is a believer, who is a Christian. And Paul even gives us a, a short list here in verses 8 through, through 10. Let's look at these gifts. He says, for one, he says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So, so this is those who are teaching and those who understand the word and able to, to, to basically get into the deep things and articulate those things to people. And then he says, one is, um, Then to another faith, as I explained earlier, to be able to stand strong. Then there was the gifts of healing, we understand that, by one spirit. Then he had the affecting miracles and others, a prophecy, the, the revealing of the revelation of God, the word of God. To another, the distinguishing of spirits, discernment. And to another, various kinds of tongues and the interpretations of tongues. And we'll get into that in chapter 14. He gives a variety, and this is not an exhaustive list. We can go several different places to find more. But here Paul makes the point, there are many different gifts. But notice that he says not only are there many different gifts, there are many different ministries and effects. So the Greek word here for ministries is the word for service, to serve. This is that the very root of this word is where we get the word deacon. We get the word deacon. A deacon is one who serves others. It alludes to a humble service and it's a wide range of service. So there's a variety of areas in which a gift can be used and to serve others. And then you have the word effects. It alludes to the power that brings about results. Meaning this gift can bring about many different results. So, so when you put all this together, Paul is saying there are many spiritual gifts. And with these many spiritual gifts, there are many different arenas and areas in which that gift can be applied. And they're different. And in all of those different areas... That that one gift is used, that those many gifts are used, there now comes many different splits. It's a multiplication thing. The two become four. You just see it just begins to split, multiplies. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building of, of the body of Christ. So, so for example... Let's just go there with, with, verse, with verse 8. You've got the word of wisdom through the Spirit and, the, and another, the word of knowledge according, um, according to the same Spirit. So, so here's this issue of understanding the word, articulating the word, teaching the word. This gift can be given to a teacher who teaches adults who teaches, or another one who teaches youth or another one who teaches children. Or another who teaches in a seminary. So it's this gift of teaching, this gift of word, where, where we are giving the word of God and we're discipling people. We're able to do this. And we're able to do it in all these different areas of service. Not everyone has to be behind the pulpit. You can teach the word of God to other people and you don't have to be behind the pulpit in this. And then here's the beauty, God says. So, so those who are teaching can teach in multiple, multiple areas within the church. And then there's another beautiful thing. In all of those areas, we can multiply the effects of the gift. 
So, so we may have with some teenagers where, where you know, so we got those teaching adults, those teaching teenagers. You may have some that we bring about salvation through the teaching. Others may be discipled. Others may grow up to be missionaries. Uh, others may become encouragers. We may train up someone to be a pastor. We may actually have the effect of someone's going through a hard time presently and through that teaching you help them. So, so notice, multiple variety of gifts, multiple areas in which you can use them, and multiple effects. And all that is taking place in the local church. You want to think world. You want to think country. Uh-uh. Church. So here's the big idea. God has provided the local church with a variety of gracious, supernatural gifts. Meaning, First Baptist Church of Jonesboro has everything it needs to be a vibrant, healthy, growing church. In the pew, right here, right today. And here's the funny thing about this. We've got several who are out on vacation this week. And yet, everything this church needs is sitting in the pews. Because what I see this morning is a variety of people with a variety of gifts who can serve in a variety of areas within the local church, who then bring about a variety of effects within the local church. I am talking about you. I am talking about you today. People today who could be teachers and people who can be encouragers, people who have the gift of speech and the gift, gifts that, that, that are in the realm of words and speech and others who are in the realm of service. And yet too many times we go without in the church. And as Brother Trey Lyon sometimes say, we, we don't have enough, sometimes it feels like we don't have enough fingers to plug enough holes in the boat. And yet, the sad fact is, we have plenty of fingers. According to the Word of God, every local church has everything, more than enough resources to be a vibrant, healthy, growing church. And sadly, it's because we don't take time to discover our gift, nor to use our gifts. We have multiple, multiple gifts, multiple ministries, and multiple effects brothers and sisters, to say that we don't have what we need today would be a lie. We would be saying that God has gypped us, that he somehow has been withholding from us, but we know that's not the case because we just read that God is gracious and God has given us everything that we, that we do not need, that we have not merited, but we also know that we have, it's spiritual. And so it's not about our genetics, it's about the Spirit of God. But that would also go against the, the grace of God in saying that, or, or against the, the attributes of God in saying that he's lacking in resources and he has to distribute them a little here and a little there. We know that is not the case. And so what is the answer to growing our church? What is the answer to reaching our Jerusalem? What is the answer to discipling our children and mentoring others to care for them? What is the answer to, to help marriages and help people who are in need? What is the answer to our community and to our state and to our government? What, what is the answer for the world, beloved? This local church. John MacArthur said it this way. Neither are God's children replaceable or the ministries that he has given them replaceable. Not one of you can be replaced today. 
He goes on, he says, no other believer can take our place in God's heart. And no other believer can take our place in God's work. He has given no one the exact gift he has given us. And he has given no one the exact ministry that he has given us. And if we do not use our gift, no one else will. And if we do not fulfill our ministry, it will go unfulfilled. Brothers and sisters, you are a snowflake in the world of spiritual gifts. Everyone unique. No one the same. You may think that you and another person are the same, and you may think your ministries are the same, but they're not. This is the reason why we are one body and many members. And so if we ignore our spiritual gifts, you need to understand then that we leave ministries void of service. We, we, We basically take away the opportunity to minister to others within the church and even with outside the church when we don't use our spiritual gift. But not only that, we also then diminish the effects of those ministries. So the problem isn't I don't have a good, that our church doesn't have a good youth or children's program. The problem isn't that our church doesn't have a good evangelism program or a good discipleship program or a good marriage and family program or this program or that program the problem is is god's people not using their spiritual gifts because he filled the church with people who have a a gift of grace and a gift that is supernatural to do the work of the church And so if there is something that is lacking, if we are looking at the local church and we say, well, there are no effects going over there, what's going on? It must be the pastor's fault. There's nothing happening over there. It must be the deacon's fault. No. It is that we, that you, that I am not putting our gifts to work. And what happens is we go to look out there to the world to find an answer for the problems that are in here. We want to go find resources out there that are unbiblical and ungodly when yet God has given us everything that we need right here this morning. Everything to grow this church is literally in this room today. And not just just the right amount, but more than enough. Stop looking for effects. Stop complaining about the lack of effects in church When we ourselves are not exercising the supernatural, gracious gift of God and ministering in the the variety of ministries and seeing the variety of effects. And so I would call on you, I would challenge every member of the church this morning to do the following. That if you have sat back and not served and not ministered and not used your gift, repent this morning because God called you to a specific task. He has a work for you. Repent this morning because disobedience is sin. Prayerfully search for your gift this morning. Prayerfully search. Let the church help you. Let the congregation help you. But prayerfully begin to search and define the gift that God has you because there are many and you have one. Humbly then serve in the way that gift is meant to be used. No matter whether it's one in the public or no matter whether it's one that no one ever knows what you're doing. And then rejoice in the work. For by the grace of God, he has given us everything that we need as a church. Everything we need is in him and what he has given us. So therefore, rejoice and serve together so that we may provide a variety of ministries with a variety of effects for a lost world 
And also, as we'll see next week, for the common good of the saints. And ultimately, for the glory of God. And then finally, beloved, I would say this. Let us embrace the unity in the service of the local church. We are not competing. This is not America's Got Talent. Even if you got the same gifts, you don't have the same ministries. We're not competing here. So let us embrace the unity that comes with serving together. In the, everyone talking about there's no diversity in the church. There's no diversity. There. There's diversity. You're only looking skin deep. We see the diversity of the gifts that God has given us as a many people come together with many gifts and many ministries with many effects for the single purpose of the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Let us embrace the unity that comes with spiritual gifts. Let's pray.